Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 25 of Vague Zone. I am Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And today we are discussing the 2019 Robert Rodriguez movie Alita Battle Angel, starring Rosa Salazar, Christoph Waltz, Kean Johnson, Jennifer Connelly, and Mahershala Ali. Um, but before we get into that, Thomas, can you read for us the synopsis from IMDb? A deactivated cyborg's revived, but can't remember anything of her past and goes on a quest to find out who she is. All right, so um, I picked this one, and I picked it just because it's a cyberpunk movie, and we are doing a uh, series on The Matrix right now. I did not realize, but this is actually... Uh, the same cinematographer as The Matrix, uh, Bill Pope, right? That's how it is? Yes, correct. And uh, so, yeah, it's even even more appropriate of a selection. But um, I'm curious to know what your thoughts were, Thomas. Tell, tell me what you thought of Alita Battle Angels. Okay, so I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a trip to watch visually. It's a little silly at times. It's basically like a live-action anime with what they're going for with Alita's eyes. And yeah, the, yeah, it's like her entire aesthetic. It's like this weird, like cousin of Ghost in the Shell, a little bit. But I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Silly. I, I kind of had to step back while watching it because there were some visual things that were sticking out that made me like look at this movie in a different lens, so to speak. Uh, I'll kind of get into that a little bit later. But overall, I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was fun. Um, yeah, the CGI is a trip. And yeah, the characters are kind of goofy and weird at times but I, I enjoyed it overall yeah um definitely a fucking weird movie the <laughs> the choice to make her eyes really big is it seems like such a risky move i remember when that trailer came out people were like no one knew what the fuck the fuck to make of it it was like immediately a meme yeah <clears throat> it's like almost cheating but, uh, a little bit with like the puppy dog eyes anime eyes just <laughs> yeah absolutely it's totally manipulative because it's like so so a little bit of background on this it was written and produced by james cameron yes uh he had it, it's based on a manga and he had the rights to a movie for years and years and years and i guess this was like you know a dream project for him but then as soon as avatar became the biggest movie ever um he just decided you know what? i'm just gonna make four more of these <laughs> and robert rodriguez was someone who he had discussed alita with and robert rodriguez was pretty disappointed that james cameron was stepping away because he really wants to see this like legendary unmade james cameron movie and so they'd been talking about it and james cameron was like well how about how about you take it over and we'll just you know we'll We'll have a lot of discussions, but you'll be the one to direct it. So that's what happened. And it's, yeah, <laughs> like. Yeah, and I remember uh, the, you describing it as Robert Rodriguez directing a movie as if it was a James Cameron movie, correct? Like, that's like his, like, yeah. he's like doing his that's, imitation. That's what I heard. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah I, I sort of got that a little bit while watching this, where there was moments where, yeah, it's just like, it just feels very, like a very basic story, bare bones, but the visuals and all of the the technology in the movie is, is what really sells it. But the story is a, a pretty straightforward, simple story. Is it? Oh, <laughs> Cause well, like... I guess up, in, up until certain points there, I would say maybe, huh, yeah. well, I guess I'll, I'll spoil it with my thoughts. I think there's a, a nice visual thing with just like the story kind of representing the three act are uh, the, sorry, the three act structure of a story with like the rising and falling actions where they literally rise up to go look at the sky city. And then she, plummets down and loses her body and then slowly climbs back up and like yeah i, I enjoyed it for for that reason it, like purely visual i was just enjoying like alita's physical journey in the world going up and down and i i, I don't know I, I enjoyed it for that like looking at it from that perspective yeah i remember so when i first saw this movie i i saw it with our buddy kevin we were in, okay. we saw it in theaters <laughs> together and like i just kept thinking about james cameron because i hated avatar Avatar, Avatar is like, it's so basic, um, you know, white savior story. Yeah. And it's like, it does a similar thing that this movie does where it like gives its uh, protagonist like these big eyes to make them more childlike and to make it, you know, easier for the audience to feel empathy for totally. them. It's like playing this like weird trick on the audience. Yeah, you do a little um, uh, low angled shot and it's, it's slow zoom in and it, yes, yeah, it's like it's puppy dog eyes. Like it's, it's yeah. literally emotional. And you make them really innocent literally and like kind of naive. Manipulation. Yeah, you just you just want to protect them, you know? Yeah. Um so so I just kept thinking about James Cameron and uh this movie 
it's very sentimental at the beginning, very sincere um, with its emotions. And I think I just did not know how to approach that because yeah. it feels so different than, uh, you know, other contemporary blockbusters where like every post Avengers, every blockbuster is now um, tr trying to make space for quips and establishing this rhythm of oh we have to break up our action with a little bit of comedy totally. to like keep the audience engaged this doesn't really have any jokes in it which is kind of weird um yeah. it's just totally sincere and so it was I, I found it really refreshing in that way but i don't know that the drama and the the especially the romantic relationship in this movie i don't, I don't know if any of that worked for me yeah but i yeah. find it i find it really interesting the two ways the two modes that this movie operates in which is either sincere sentimental a little bit melodramatic very emotional it feels like a young adult novel and the other mode is this very um it's just very indulgent violence and people like people getting dismembered and so yeah. the collision of these two modes creates like kind of a disturbing dynamic which i find really interesting <laughs> Yeah, that's why I like the fight when she's uh, going against, I think his name is Zapan, like the really big Zapan or whatever the really big. Uh, <laughs> Zapan is the one with the sword. Um, Gruishka yeah, is the really big Gruishka, yeah. When she's fighting Gruishka, that's like my favorite fight when he literally like, come down here with me. I'm like, yes, it's like my my second act moment when she's going yeah. down. And then, yeah, she has the fight and loses. And yeah, while I was watching that, I'm like, yeah, she does not have the tools to win this fight. By definition, that's what's going to happen in this scene. And literally, the tool is her body. And we, we like, it like collapses in this in a spectacular fashion and the movie really like enjoys using that trick because it does it like three times when one of these like yeah. uh what do they call them hard bodies or metal bodies what's the derogatory term that they use hard bodies yeah. <laughs> which is a positive term in our world but yeah they use hard bodies I like, know. <laughs> it's just kind of silly body's too hard <laughs> is that possible um, like, is that... Um, but yeah like <laughs> she's too hard yeah, like just to see destroy to see their bodies like fall apart is just like yeah, it's always just like, damn, like they're that's really bad, and the dismemberment is is really played up as like a detrimental thing to these characters, and yes, yeah, it's, it's weird moment. Where like, yeah, like they're losing their bodies. It's, like, it's body horror, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's like it's this weird whimsical young adult thing wrapped in body horror, and so I just I I, I I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, like I find it so fascinating, and. So on, on the previous episode, I said this is not a good movie, uh, but I find it very interesting. On the rewatch, I'm like, maybe this is maybe this is a really good movie, and maybe like it just didn't work for me the first time. Yeah, I was um, talking to my friends about it, and they weren't into it. But then as the conversation was going on, there was like, well, there's some stuff about it that was like, if you just don't give a shit, like it's totally fine. Like I was into the mo the motorball <laughs> stuff. I was like, just give me something ridiculous and pod uh, pod racing esque. That's just a sport yeah. a sport from this other world where the momentum is insane and they're literally just to ripping each other to shreds on this like fight and the guy's like is yeah. there gonna be any room for a uh, motorball in this fight and it's just like yes yeah, it's, it's just super campy i wish we got to see that announcer i thought they did a little cop out by just having it be just the voice i feel like i feel like the announcer was that was your way into creating jokes and stuff but there's even with the announcer there's barely any jokes like they could have like yeah that that's your space where you're free to like be funny yeah and i feel like they didn't even do yeah that. i thought they were gonna go a little full pot uh pod racing and have like the the joke announcer. yeah exactly i, thought, I was totally feeling which that, been, yeah. i feel it would have been totally fine that would have been appropriate um but yeah you mentioned that gruishka fight like that scene i remember that 10 minutes is absolutely fucking insane where first it's a bar fight yeah. <laughs> then which is a really good bar fight like robert Rodriguez does a great job with the action in this movie. totally um so it's a bar fight then there's gruishka comes in and he's got extending finger knives and a dog <laughs> barks at him he kills a dog alita bends down picks up the dog blood rubs it on her face which is on every poster <laughs> of the movie <laughs> yeah she has dog blood on her face in every poster then Gruishka dives underground. She follows him. They fight, and Gruishka completely dismembers her. And that's not even the end of it. She has she has one arm left. She has a torso with a head and one arm. She is doing a handstand. She throws herself into the air with her one arm, uh, shoves her arm into Gruishka's eye, 
and says, fuck your mercy. And that is the one F-bomb in the PG-13 so movie. good, yeah. Like... And then she rips her own arm off, leaving it inside of his eyeball. <laughs> um, so that is, it, like, this is a PG-13 movie that feels like it's, like, a young adult novel. Yeah, super hard. And it's got this shit in it? Yeah, really, <laughs> like, a very literal David versus Goliath moment where it's, like, just straight for the eye. And it's funny that you bring up the Gurushka killing the dog because I keep going back to the whole like writing structure, three act structure thing in this movie. And you're familiar with the term save the cat, correct? Yeah. And so basically, yeah, Alita has a literal save the dog moment or save the cat moment yeah. with the, the little battle machine. And she gets pushed out of the way by Hugo, which is, I think, the, one of the weaker parts of this movie is the character Hugo. He like saves her. Absolutely. And then he, she slides in, saves the dog, and rolls out. And I was like, oh, that's a, a really sleek save the cat moment, you know? And yeah, Gruishka coming in and just like brutally killing the dog is just like a, yeah, it just ups the stakes in a way that her putting the blood on her cheeks. I was like, this is really intense. And yeah. <laughs> very the the themes are very heavy here i think i remember hearing a quote where it's something like uh you know in a in a in like a major movie the dog doesn't die in a b movie the dog dies (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) i like that um i guess there's some movies where the whole movie is the dog dying like old yeller and marley and me and shit those are probably c movies yeah And then you have your animal adventure I've never movies. Seen Yeller, so I can't say. You have your animal adventure movies, which are A plus movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, like I love the design of this movie. Um, I, I'm really into the characters upon. Like he yeah, has like this skull kind of like in his spine. Like his his design is really interesting. Yeah, it it kind of looks like a Mayan calendar or something. Yeah. Like yeah. Totally. Yeah. Which yeah, kind of there's something really interesting going on in this movie where. I've never seen like a like a Latin American inspired sci-fi movie, and I think that's probably what Robert Rodriguez is bringing to the table. Because mm-hmm. it's like usually we like our cyberpunk dystopias are very like Asian influenced, or you know just yeah uh, yeah American corporatism <laughs> gone 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 amok. Uh, but yeah, this is like inspired by like Mexico City and shit like that. Uh, yeah, and then you just saying that also made me think of the very clear like border situation they have with the the caste system with the society down below. Yeah. And then there's this advancement and like you have to like yeah. do something extraordinary to get into this other higher society. Oh, I need to watch this movie again. This is <laughs> Yeah. The upper class is literally in the sky yeah, yeah. and the lower class is on the ground. But that's so that is something interesting about the Gruishka character is that he says he is from not just on the ground but underground. Um and he's working with Nova, the villain who fucking yeah we're we've already been talking spoilers (laughs) did you a little bit here yeah i I think i think we're just gonna have a conversation about a movie we're not gonna walk through sure um did you see at what point did you realize who nova was uh, the actor (laughs) Mm, it was towards the end i get one flat like one or two flashes of him midway through the movie but I, i wasn't looking that closely yeah, I didn't get it until he took his his glasses oh, okay. off at I, the very very end. Okay, I, I got it before the glasses reveal. I was like, okay, there's some little Ed, Ed Norton action here. It's a nice cameo. Yeah, and so I remember. I think Kevin. I, I don't think either of us got it. So when that happened, we were like, "What the fuck?" Like audibly in the theater. Yeah, and th- um, it's such a weird moment because like I keep bringing up this third act thing when I, I thought I had totally deciphered it and understood it. And then, yeah, we get to the end, and the end is kind of weird, where she works her way up to the master or the higher rank of uh, the motorball, and then we get a shot of yeah. her, like, pointing the sword up, and I, I was just like, is there going to be another 30 minutes of it? Like, I was just kind of confused about what could possibly happen next, and then yeah. I look online, they're like, yeah, and there's, like, <laughs> there's six books, there's, like, so much shit going on, there's, like, this could go on for movies and movies and movies, and I was like, okay, cool. I think they wanted to make two more, is what I heard. Okay. Um... But this movie didn't. This movie cost two hundred million dollars to make. Um, I'm not sure how much it made at the box uh, Wikipedia office. Wikipedia says Wikipedia says four hundred five. Okay, so it made four hundred five. It probably did pretty well uh, internationally. I don't. I don't know if it did that great domestically. But I do remember hearing that um, they had sort of increased their estimates after that first weekend. So it actually did better than they expected. Okay. Um, but yeah, this movie came out at a weird time. I feel like it came out around the same time as Captain Marvel. <laughs> um, so there was uh, this mm. weird thing that people do where they feel the need to pit uh, movies featuring 
strong women against each other. Um, it was like either you like Alita Battle Angel or you like Captain Marvel or like uh, Captain Marvel's no Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> there was like this weird thing happening online. Yeah, it's like, and there's like a whole... <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say, it's like the Nikki and Cardi B thing. I was like, I can like both of these female rappers equally. Like there's no reason for me it, to yeah. hate both of them. It happens fucking everywhere. Yeah. Uh, in the 90s, it was uh, fucking Courtney Love versus... Uh, Kathleen Hanna from Bikini Kill. It was like, there can only be one rocker chick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's this, this movie has like a huge fandom online on Twitter. If you look up hashtag Alita Army, you will find like a, a, a rabid fan base who really wants the, uh, the sequels to happen. Awesome. And I think they were, they were sort of like um, just piling on, like the Oscars that year, they were like piling on every Oscar tweet and being like, what about Alita? Give us Alita. Nice. Uh, it's like special yeah. effects nods, special effects nods. Like, come on. So, so yeah, it's really interesting to me that this has really taken off with a, an audience. I, I guess Avatar kind of did the same thing. We were hearing about people like getting, going, experiencing depression because they couldn't go to the world of avatar i guess that, <laughs> so like that little story was always just so astounding to me i'm like how is that even possible but i i guess it's you know you can get attached the attachment can happen at certain levels of fandom you can get pretty severe and I, I was into it towards the end of it i just started to let go and i was like you know what like this is not something to to really take super duper seriously and yeah i like Marshahala ali and uh, yeah the cast is is good and it's it's a, it's a weird mix it's just an odd little package of everything I think, yeah rosa salazar is great too i think she yeah like, sells a lot of the weirder uncanny like moments of the movie where like she's ripping her heart out and giving it to the, the boy and i'm just like what are you that doing? is fucking <laughs> insane <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. this really weird but also very romantic moment. But I'm like, yeah, this is just, this is really strange. But I don't know, she's kind of It's weird it. how disturbing this movie is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's PG-13. It has her offering her heart to a man. A dog dies. She gets <laughs> dismembered. Her, they cut Hugo's head off. And she's pumping blood into his head. Uh, yeah. So that they can keep him alive. Then he gets a robot body, which also gets dismembered. Um fucking jennifer connelly i think her her character's name is sharon yeah um the way her the end of her character is she ends up as eyeballs and a brain and hands in a box which i had to rewind uh, i was like wait wait <laughs> hold on a second you can't just kill someone like that off off screen and then just be like okay here here's their organs yeah, in a box. just be like here she is it's <laughs> like what the fuck is going on in this in that final scene yeah that last little scene was really weird because i'm like this didn't really quite feel like the, the climax to satisfy what has been happening it just didn't really feel very satisfying but um. but it's like i don't know like so the first time i watched it it, it it the movie kind of feels meandering like it it doesn't really feel like there's much of a driving action um there's these two factions so there's there's the hunter warriors christoph waltz character is a hunter warrior alita wants to become a hunter warrior and there are just evil cyborg criminals i guess who work for uh, Vector, Mahershala Ali's character, who is in control of Motorball. Motorball? Motorball, right? Yes. And so it's almost like it's the Hunter Warriors versus the Motorball people, right? Is that like how you would describe and the dynamic? I thought it was a little bit of the opposite when they hire, because they hire Hunter Warriors to kill Alita inside of the, her first Motorball race and so i thought that there was kind of a a mixing with whatever i don't know those factions are and i thought the biggest separation was just the caste system of society down here versus the upper class up there yeah so but like the whole i, I don't understand what's going on with vector in this movie because it's like vector is he's like the motorball guy mm -hmm. right and he's allied with nova he's allied with gruishka um and he's allied with Hugo, who's going around stealing parts for motorball players and for Gruishka. Um, but aren't we also supposed to believe that... Isn't Vector also in control of the Hunter Warriors? The factory? Because, like, I the Hunter Warriors... Oh, I, I might have missed it. Because, like, the Hunter Warriors, they're paid by the quote-unquote the factory, I believe is what they're called. Yeah, yeah. And at the end, when... Alita goes to like the hunter warrior place and she like destroys all those machines. She's going there to find, she's calling out vector. 
Correct. Yes. Yeah. Then she goes all the way to the top of the factory, basically. Yeah, to the top of the thing, and he's there. Yeah. But aren't aren't the hunter warriors hunting? Like, well, I guess they're not hunting Gruishka because that's the whole point of that bar scene is that they refuse to go after. Him yeah, they, they don't have do, a. They don't do anything. But like, okay, so another thing I'm confused about is there's this like serial killer plotline at the beginning of the movie where women are be- specifically women are being killed, and yeah, I totally forgot about that. And so I think we're supposed to believe when when Alita goes and follows Christoph Waltz, I think we're supposed to believe that maybe Christoph Waltz is a serial killer, but then it turns out he's actually a hunter warrior and he's hunting uh, Gruishka and these two other people, these two other cyborgs, and the other cyborgs get killed. Yeah, um, I believe, and Gruishka gets away. So was he doing a hunter warrior job? Like, are, are, is Gruishka one of the people, the serial killers? I, I was confused about that. Yeah, that is a little muddy. I'm not exactly sure, because I totally forgot about the missing women thing that is the whole reason why he tells her not to go out at night in the first place, but that gets set aside for the Hunter Warrior looking for yeah, it feels Yeah, like, it feels like that plotline just functions to reveal that Christoph Waltz is a Hunter Warrior. I agree. Yeah, that doesn't seem like there it materializes in any other way. But then, if he's hunting, if Gruishka is part of the group that I assume he's hunting, if I'm remembering this correctly, you are you are remembering it correctly. <laughs> but yeah, there's a separation between whatever. Then that would imp- that would imply he was doing a bounty on be- on behalf of the Hunter Warriors, which is controlled by Vector, who who is allies with Gruishka. So that part, yeah, that that whole thing gets. I don't understand all that. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that's seriously a, a jumble. I don't, yeah, it doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. Because it's like I I also don't totally know what Nova wants. Um, I know he wants Alita's heart, but I don't necessarily know to what end. I mean, I guess because he is supposed to be immortal, right? Because he was there three hundred years ago at the the during the the fall. Yeah, the, the yeah, war. they imply that he's like probably three hundred years years old, like she is. Um, so maybe yeah, maybe her heart. Would, would power him, I guess? I don't know. Yeah, and the more you bring this up, it kind of ties into a slight issue I had with this was the whole thing with Vector just being a puppet, and I just felt like that was a, a very weak choice to have him not really being there at all. And so, yeah, the conflict is, yeah, by design, very messy and very strange when you have Vector doing things and he has motivations, but you also have Nova, who has motivations as well, who's acting through Vector, and so yeah, yeah it's just like while while it was going on, I, I it, once they reveal the whole thing of like yeah, when he has the blue eyes, he's Vector, and when that goes away, he's sorry. When he has the blue eyes, he's Nova. When it's Nova, he's Vector. And so yeah, once they reveal that, they're just like okay, there's dual motivations happening here. But yeah, that the part with Christoph Waltz and the Hunter Warriors is right. You you pointed out that it's yeah, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, and it's just to service Alita getting into motion and her trajectory towards becoming a Hunter Warrior. Yeah, and I guess it, it it provides justification for Christoph Waltz being protective in a way. Yeah, or just provides another way to show the audience how protective he is. Yeah, just to um, push the whole father thing that is ignored at first and then embraced later. What did you think of Christoph Waltz in this? I I mean, too, he put a smile on my face when he's just going through swinging the big scythe and just like he has his little Love montage. That shit. Yeah, just like him just <laughs> grimacing towards the camera. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. Like I'm I'm into the. The uh, the cyberpunk scythe. I was into that weapon, and yeah, he, yeah, yeah, it's like I, a rocket propelled the fucking hammer or something. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. that's one thing. Like the rule of cool, you know. Like if the design can sell this weird, crazy idea, that I'm totally down for it. And this movie exceeds in a lot of ways, where it just like it looks cool. It's a crazy idea, and he just he's swinging around. He looks like this weird undertaker going around at night, and he's also like a doc. He yeah um, daytimes as a doctor in the day and he's like fixing people like these kind of criminals yeah. come in like the one guy comes in and all of his limbs got ripped off and the guys just like they're putting putting them back together in this kind of sweet relationship i wasn't too crazy about the the, uh, the black assistant that literally said nothing I was just yeah like, she has like two lines i think i was just like this feels uh airing on the side of just like uh just <laughs> cast them and they don't have to say anything and it's just like this doesn't yeah. this feels a little hollow but she has like two lines and one of them is the worst line in the movie which is uh she's a little older than you thought <laughs> or like looks like she's a little older than you thought. yeah that's tough. like this is uncomfortable i don't know yeah. i don't know if you should 
Yeah. I don't know if we needed that. Yeah, I definitely need to call up Rutsky and talk about like the other and like the the feminine the feminine uh the feminizing of Alita when she's like she's younger at one point and then when she gets the new body, like it adapts to her and sexualizes her and makes her like puberty basically makes her older and like she can feel now and like yeah, it's like it's like she's more tangible and more human and, and essentially I don't know, there's there's a lot going on with that whole transformation. Yeah, that's something I was trying to like assess on the rewatch too is like is the male gaze to what degree is it sexualizing her because like i remember walking away originally and being like feeling pretty uncomfortable about about the way alita was treated in this movie Mm -hmm. but on the rewatch i was like well i don't know i mean like i feel like the the, there's like two moments there's that moment looks like she's a little older than you thought which is fucking weird and then there's also just the scene where she when she gets her new body and her and hugo are having that moment Mm -hmm. And, like, that feels uncomfortable, but then at the same time, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to view it through the lens of, like, a young adult novel, which I didn't do the first time. Mm. And this time, I'm trying to view it through that lens of, like, okay, this is made, it's PG-13, like, the Alita army, I'm assuming most of them are younger people. Um, So this is, like, resonating with, like, the teen crowd. And I'm like, so, like, maybe this, maybe this works for them. Like, maybe this is, like you know first love it's it's an intense experience your emotions are a little exaggerated Mm -hmm. and so maybe that's what this is playing to and uh it's fucking it's a little weird when she's talking about like how uh you know she can feel more and stuff like that it's silly Um, that line you mentioned i actually would argue is not the worst line in the movie i think the, the line that made me laugh out loud is is after the the Gurwishka fight and they kind of go in and, and save Alita and the 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 one hunter warrior with the dogs sends his dogs Jeff after Mady. yeah and, and then they come back and he's like he wasn't a dog lover I hate that I'm like wow that, all right character that's that's, like... <laughs> that's a joke line though. yeah I don't, like I just... that is that feels very like I don't know that like I'm I'm really curious to know like what is the divide between Robert Rodriguez and James Cameron like which so, okay, ideas yeah. were were Robert Rodriguez bringing to the car- to the table versus which ideas were James Cameron bringing? Like, because especially like we were just talking about that giant fucking rocket propelled scythe thing. Mm-hmm. Like that feels like like I, I think of uh, Robert Rodriguez movies, uh, Grindhouse. Um, that or which one's his in Grindhouse? Uh, Planet Terror. Terror. Yeah, we have a, a woman with a machine gun leg, <laughs> and from dusk till dawn. Uh, Tom Savini has a, a, a gun at his penis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, like, he doesn't shy away from ridiculous weaponry, especially. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I haven't seen the Spy, Kid, Spy Kids movies. I imagine that is the entirety of the Spy Kids movies. Yeah, this, um, this complete wackiness from all angles. And yeah, you, you mentioned the bar scene earlier, and I like that scene a lot because um yeah what's the what's the guy's name uh Zipan's going through there and he's like he's explaining like all the rules about like the bounty hunters like you're in the bounty hunter bar like this person over here is the, her name's screwhead because she has a screw in her head yeah and, screwhead and, yeah. Like, uh, what is he we say? get more of her later and he, like, starts, like, he's like want to know more about this fancy sword i have let me tell you the name of it and like what it does and i was like this just like feels like james cameron exposition dump in like a really silly way but i don't know you said that that was kind of one of the cooler scenes that might have been Robert Rodriguez. And so, yeah, I need to kind of go back and think, like, well, yeah, where, where are the levers, like, on the mixing board or we're 80-20, they're going back and forth. Yeah. I mean, I think that scene's cool because of the action, though. Like, I think the way Alita moves when she's, like, fighting and stuff, her fucking her kick where she just brings her leg down, mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, that fucking scene. Okay, so her first interaction with Gruishka, where she, like, she like I, I think she like dives down from like a balcony or something, but she's doing this kick where her leg is just coming down on on him, and then we zoom into her eye, and we see her leg coming down, but it's coming down on the moon, yeah. <laughs> and it's like this movie is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> like we're on the moon. This is this is how we get to a. She says she yells hi ya as she's doing the kick, yeah. and then we cut to exterior the moon. Yeah, um, exterior moon war scene. Like, it's, like, it's not, yeah, it's not they're on the moon, fucking having a massive battle. Yeah, and then when we cut back, she finishes the kick and she kicks a man's arm off, and like, yeah, yeah fucking so, incredible, incredible movie. Yeah, it's so good. My buddies, they saw it in three D. I don't know if you saw it in three D, but they were saying that like that was a a, a good I'm bonus sure. to some of the 
the bigger shots, you know, when there's just like kind of full city or more, there's more momentum. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like I would have enjoyed seeing this in theaters. Reminded me of like Neil Blokamp a little bit, like District 9 kind of. Definitely. Yeah. Like the, uh, just the way robotics like blend so well with everything else. Yeah. Um, what did you, okay. So I feel like we got to talk about Hugo. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of Hugo? Uh, I wasn't into it. This super 90s, like, when he introduces her to the game and they're, like, going around on the the little, like, small, like, skateboard, rollerboard, uh, the little, like, yeah. motorball track that is basically just, like, a skate park. And so it, it's, it feels super 90s. Like, they're just, like, kind of going around. Like, yeah, inline skates. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is, like, this could have been in, in a Ninja Turtles movie or, like, a, a Power Rangers movie and it totally would have worked. And, yeah, I like that, but... His character just wasn't doing much for me. Uh, his his bike is kind of cool, like the the unicycle motorcycle thing he yeah, has. But yeah, yeah. Besides him, he was just very bland, and yeah, he just yeah he just he wanted to ascend, but he's, I don't know, just it wasn't. He's kind much. of a whiny baby. Yeah, because it's like he wants to ascend. He doesn't even know what's up there. That's the thing. It's like none of these people have been up there, so they really don't know what it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, Except for the doctor, um, Doctor Dyson. Yeah, Christoph and Sharon. Yeah, right. Sharon, Sharon, Doctor Sharon. By the way, Jennifer Connelly, looking incredible in this movie. Yeah, she's in two movies I watched this week. Um, but yeah, going back to uh this motorball scrimmage, um, motorball looks pretty fun. Mm-hmm. However, professional motorball, it feels like everyone playing professionally is basic, mostly cyborg, mostly machine. So I I don't know what these kids are expecting, <laughs> like how they're gonna how they're gonna make it to the big time. Yeah, maybe there is an implication that there will be like limb replacement on that road yeah. to getting into that stage, and by the time you're like the what's the term like not like the master champion or like like the grand champion of the game gets yeah. to ascend, and there's only one of them each year. And yeah, I assume that like if a kid wanted to do that, it would require a lot of sacrifice. And in, in this universe, sacrifice means that like, you're going to lose some limbs and get them replaced with metal, and that'll help. The and longevity. then it's like what? And, and it's like you're watching. I'm watching the motorball game. There's some of these guys are just like basically a car with a face. And so it's like, what is this person's <laughs> life like? <laughs> like, do they are they changing? Are they changing into this for the game, and then they change out into a more regular looking body? Like that would make sense. Like I don't think this. It would be weird if this guy's going home as a car. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. They like replace even with the leader. Like replace her feet with wheels. And so yeah, there's like this weird like yeah. suiting up aspect to it that I find kind of interesting. But yeah, and this is weird back and forth between the well, not back and forth. There's a conflict between the punks that are out there stealing pieces from the mo- motorball players to give to Vector, and then there's other like. Yeah, there's clearly like a, a a black market for limbs in this world and being yeah. a, a racer is super dangerous. And I, I like the design of there's like the really big burly ones and like kind of small people. But yeah, it's implied that it's mostly robots. There's one person who's getting like fixed on. He's like, that's like the top guy who we get like, you only get one shot of him, but it's like. And it's Jai Courtney, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> who honestly it's like. like the one. Yeah, people are on Reddit are like, oh, it's Jai Courtney. But like, Jai Courtney's not an actor I think I could recognize if I just saw. Because when I. I, I recognize, I, I was just like, who is that? I know I recognize this guy and I had to look it up. Yeah, but. yeah. That's one of those, um, one of those dudes. He's just like, yeah, he's action guy. <laughs> yeah. Another note on Motorball. There's a moment when. Uh, so a bunch of the hunter warriors have entered the motorball competition. They're all trying to kill Lita and Hugo gives her a call that he's being hunted by, uh, is it Zapan? Yeah. And so Alita leads the motorball players outside of the track. She like jumps through, a like a, a giant screen and then <clears throat> takes them out into the city. And the announcer says, I've never seen anything like this before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and Emily and I were like watching it and I was just like, this would be like if two fighters in a boxing match just like left the building <laughs> yeah. like, and are just like fighting in the street. And it's like like no the whole audience can't see the fight. Like for all they know, it's over. Um, in one question I, I, I had, I was like, <laughs> is this a game that's purely entertainment for the people in the lower class or is it being shared by the people in the mm. upper class too and so that, that was one thing i was like yeah like who's watching this we never really get a sense of 
the the whole. I mean, audience. that crowd is fucking huge. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like this. Yeah, it's like the huge crowd. But I I got the impression that they were implying that this is a sport that is like it's like the gladiator shit where it's like we're like the upper class. We're gonna watch the the peons yeah. duke it out to get up into us. And so I was just trying to figure out like we see a lot of uh, people in that world watching, but I I wanted to get more of a sense of how the other side that this is a way for the people up top to exploit the people down below yeah maybe that's just going to be in the second movie because apparently this world just has just a lot of stuff in it because it's it's six six books or six graphic novels apparently i hope they dude i hope they make a sequel like as soon as this movie ended i was like bring it on like (laughs) i want to watch another one of these yeah, and it's funny um, we're watching this in relation to The Matrix because as it was ending, I was like, oh, wait, like, I, is this how this ends? Like, it's a weird, like, rev, uh, reloaded moment where I was like, okay, I guess this yeah. is ending here. And it's because there's no big, there's like one kind of uh, race towards the end. Like, yeah, they go off onto the streets and everything, but it cuts ahead of her advancing through the ranks and it gets, yeah. goes to the, uh, it gives us a time lapse. Yeah. And which is fine. It's like, I didn't, yeah. I mean, Do we miss out on any? I mean, I guess there could have been interesting story beats that happen. For example, what the fuck happens to Sheeran's body after Vector dies? Like yeah. she's still in that case. Like I imagine Alita would have brought that back to Christoph Waltz, and he would have used that to build a new body for her or something. Yeah, and that's a real big bummer because they imply that her surgical hand is like so incredible, like she can decapitate Hugo and not fucking lose any brain activity or any like there's no brain damage to it. And like she's yeah. like she has such accuracy at doing this. I thought that would have been a character. Well, worth keeping her around. hands were in the case. Her hands were in the case. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of that Futurama episode where Fry loses his hands. Or just like, like you're not gonna have control. Like, like you know, and just switching hands. That's not how, <laughs> that's not how it works. At least in my my mind, you can't just give someone else a doctor's hands and then they're amazing just attach them to some <laughs> yeah. idiot's wrists yeah. yeah like just give it to a drunk who has no idea what he's doing like oh he's the greatest surgeon oh yeah gotta bring up the reverse waterfall i like <laughs> that was just a detail that i enjoy when they're going out to the ship where she finds her upgraded oh, yeah. body and they're like leaving the town that was just one detail like i just geek out over weird shit like that just a production designer's dream or i guess because like it's it's a cgi designer it's dream. the walls around the city right yeah, and it's like a water, like a wall of water going up, and that's just like just a mind fuck to look at. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't quite understand the point of that because it's like it's just a fountain. Yeah, it seems like a weird choice. <laughs> that's it's, cool. It's, it's implied it's like a, a hard border that's like so, or it looks like it would be yeah. difficult to penetrate because it's it like zigzags and snakes around the border of the city, and I, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Damn it! I really want there to be another one. Yeah. I want to know what Edward Norton's gonna do. He's gonna actually get a role. We're gonna see uh, Zalem. Yeah. And yeah, it'd be great to see yeah. Edward Norton ham it up as a villain. I feel like Christoph Waltz has to die at some point. The, the death of the mentor on the hero's journey. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to expect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that might be it. What have you been watching this week? Uh, what did I watch this week? I watched David. Well, let me look up the title because I don't quite remember. David Burns' American Utopia. It's um Spike Lee directed uh, concert film. Oh, okay. Of oh, okay. David yeah. Burns. Yeah, and it like totally sealed in my mind that like David Byrne is like one of the greatest rock artists of all time. Um, just because like Talking Heads is fucking great. Yeah, Stop Making Sense is an amazing documentary, and I don't know. It's like, like like the the American Utopia doc. It feels it kind of feels like it's made for like the NPR crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, it's political, it, but it feels sort of safe politically uh, in a way. Uh, it's not there's nothing like too aggressive. Um, but I don't know. Like uh, so was, uh, so I watched that, and then immediately after I watched like just a couple songs from uh, Stop Making Sense. Mm-hmm. And the way Stop Making Sense is shot compared to American Utopia is American Utopia, um, because all of the performers are playing wirelessly, mm-hmm. um, they are constantly marching around the stage. The stage is like al- almost a perfect square. And they're all and, barefoot too, right? Yeah, and they're all barefoot and they're all wearing the same uh, suits and matching suits. <laughs> and they're all marching around and it's very choreographed all of their movements it's almost like um what do you call it a marching band or something mm, like that yeah yeah and 
so the way it's shot it feels like it has to be it it has to have a lot more wides in it to show off the choreography um versus stop making sense um the performers are at their instruments but there are still you know a lot of dancing going on <laughs> at one point david byrne runs around the entire stage um so there's a lot more opportunity for like close-ups and like these like large uh, sweeping camera movements so it feels like there's a lot more energy with the way it's shot okay um but uh but american utopia he like spike lee is having fun with like the format he's having like cameras placed above the stage like looking down upon them and like there's like a grid lighting where or uh almost like checkerboard lighting where oh. uh uh the performers are like standing in the light and stuff and i don't know it, it's pretty playful and there's like some heavier moments um because like i said it's it gets political um but yeah it's great <laughs> yeah i don't know much about talking heads or david byrne you're making me want to dive into it i he was on snl last year or yeah whenever you know they were allowed to have it in the last season people in the actual building he was one of the musical guests and he had the entire stage to dedicate it to that performance and i was like yeah, yeah. this is like beautiful like they like deconstructed it in a way that's very fluid and has like a lot of motion and they're, like they're running around it yeah it felt very liberating to watch yeah, he he says something at one point about how um, he wanted to remove as much from the stage as possible, and that's why they're all wireless. Yeah. Because when you remove every everything, like he just wanted to leave what was important, and what was important were the people performing, and so that's all he wanted on stage, and yeah. which is kind of a beautiful sentiment. Um, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I really watched this week. Oh, and of course, WandaVision, which we will get to, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I guess we can no, talk about that at the very end. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about this week. I kind of changed up just the way I want. Uh, were you done talking about uh, the Talking Heads thing? Oh, I'm done, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay, so yeah, I, I changed up the way I watch movies a little bit because I, I, I have streaming and everything, but I always fall into the trap of like scrolling and never picking anything. But... Mm -hmm. I changed that up this week. My parents, have, well, we have cable at our house and have HBO and all those like weird like stars and stars edge and stars whatever, like just random yeah. movie channels. And so I told myself if I sit down to watch something and if it's something that line it's lining up and I haven't seen it, I'll sit down and watch it. And so that's how I ended up watching um, the other movie that ha had Jennifer Connelly this week was Reservation Road. Have you ever heard of, the, heard of this movie? um is it based on a book yes yeah, based it, on the book yeah i think is it about like a hit and run yes yeah okay i've read the book i haven't, I haven't seen oh, okay it. how's the book um i read it like when i was in high school i, rem I remember really liking it okay yeah. i might check that out yeah because the movie is interesting yeah it's joaquin phoenix and mark ruffalo just dealing because you, if you read the book you know they're dealing with extremely heavy yeah. shit character wise like, it's super fucking heavy yeah yeah and it's like really odd. that's why i like love nerding out about movies because like in alita battle angel jennifer connelly it's like yeah smoking like kind of like weird like not quite like dominatrixy but like her outfits are very like like sleek and like like very like matrixy a little bit where it's like it's very sexy and like it's like a lot of blacks and like uh, it's very form-fitting and in reservation road she's playing the, the mother of a, a kid who just got, got killed and so she's working with like on the other end of the spectrum where she's like just like scream crying towards walking phoenix yeah. and just dealing with really intense shit but there's a line in that movie i thought it was like the saddest thing i'd ever heard anyone say l fanning plays her daughter and they're talking about the dead son she like it's like yeah like can angels hear music in heaven because they're like talking about like <laughs> her taking piano lessons and she's like yeah like they can hear music in heaven and i was Fuck. like this is just so fucking heavy like yeah. why am i watching this at 7 a.m in the morning but, <laughs> what am i doing to but, myself this is not a, that's not a way to start the day <laughs> yeah but i stuck to the rule and i finished the movie but yeah i'm trying to just like to watch stuff in different ways but because i'm watching stuff like that i watched uh that and then uh what's it called before the devil knows you're dead is the last movie by sydney sydney lumet and it has okay. um philip seymour hoffman yeah that was a, a very interesting like crime gone wrong movie and uh, yeah i like ethan hawk and yeah i love philip seymour hoffman it's just a really odd movie i don't think i would have watched in any other circumstances because it's a 
a pretty heavy melodrama like, drama type of movie. But yeah, I, I tend to not gravitate towards them. But if it's if it's on when I'm looking to watch something, I'll watch it. I tend to enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm trying to broaden my horizons a little bit and watch things I would take some chances. Yeah, and I I appreciate it because yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman was such a fucking powerhouse and. That movie is so weird because he's playing like a functioning heroin addict, and so there's like this, Fuck. yeah, it's like it's really, really dark stuff in that movie, yeah, and it's like, yeah, crime gone wrong, and like it's like, yeah, just him and uh, Ethan Hawke just kind of unraveling in really intense ways, and yeah, just just really strange stuff. So those are the the two things I watched most recently. Then, yeah, I watched WandaVision a few days ago, and. Oh, before we get into WandaVision, one other thing I have been watching lately. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I mentioned it to you yet. I finally, after years and years, got into Community. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, nice. Just and I and the way I got into it was I did the thing where you um, Netflix has this new feature called Show Me Something. Yeah. And I yeah. just pressed Show Me Something, and it started the first episode of Community. Nice. And I'd watched the first episode before, and I remember not being that into it, but it's just um, a strange I just like. <laughs> I just let it run like until I was like three episodes deep and I was like, okay, like it, it, it has had its chance to put its hooks into me. And now Emily and I watch it like all the fucking time. Yeah. So I'm a huge, huge, huge community nerd as I was like a massive, you know, I was a massive Donald Glover fan. (laughs) Fucking community was massive for me. And so, yeah, episode three, um, I think that's like a turning point because yeah, it starts off like a pretty straightforward just like you know comedy yeah sitcom but yeah then it starts i think episode three is when they start to first introduce like the genre thing well i feel like i feel Um, like it just needs to establish its characters and like what the yeah like what those characters represent and then it's like okay here are your ingredients what are the ways we can combine and collide these ingredients to produce different interesting interactions yeah. And it's like, but you have to get, you have to define them before you can get there. Yeah. And yeah. they had so much fun with just the genre and the form and just the lens of what, you know, the style of each episode can be and how it can be a contained episode. And yeah, that first season is is really interesting because it starts off, I would say like kind of a slow burn and it doesn't really know what kind of show it wants to be. It is unfortunately one of those sitcoms that fell victim to scheduling and just corporate bullshit where it just got shuffled around so the people that loved it didn't know when to watch it and so the ratings tanked it and then the budget went down so all this bullshit happened but besides that those first three seasons are just like incredible and the journey from the first episode of that show just to what it turns into it, it literally it brings me to tears because it's such a beautiful way of altering that medium and also having just a genuine sincere core of just like a family and like a group to it and yeah. yeah it's yeah it's one of my favorite things and i think it's going to be one of those sitcoms of the past like it's up there with the office and parson recreation but the people that love community will hold it to their hearts until they die and they think it's even better than all of those and did I'm, you watch did you get into arrested development yeah, I was in Arrested Development. That was okay. weird because, like, my dad was into it before I was, and he was like, "This this comedy is really great." I'm like, "Really, Dad? Yeah. Well, you like the show?" And then, yeah, it's <laughs> super weird. And yeah, those first two seasons were like a fever dream, and then it kind of morphed. Uh, as all these comedy sitcoms, they tend to morph and change. And yeah, like the first season of Parks and Rec is almost unrecognizable from what the show turned into. Weird same, same with The Office yeah. and. Community suffers. See, I never more. got into The Office, man. Huh, that's true. Like, yeah, because <laughs> I know, I know the first season is like kind of a remake of the BBC version, mm-hmm. and I liked the BBC version, but like I remember like watching a little bit of The Office and just like not being into it, and then um, I was like dating a girl who really liked them and who really liked The Office, and she like, showed <laughs> me some episodes, and I wasn't into it, and I was just like waiting for it to be over. Um, I don't think looking at the camera is a punchline i think it's a bad punchline um so but yeah. but i did like parks and rec um so maybe yeah, i love parks and rec parks and, rec and i know they're amazing. pretty similar so yeah they're kind of similar i had a really like dark moment with parks and rec during quarantine because the office is great but the office all the characters are kind of just like they're sort of just treading water in my opinion every mm. character in parks and recreation 
starts off in government. They don't know what they want to do. But by the, the time that show is over, they have found their life path and they're going towards something that fulfills them personally. That does not happen in the office. And the office mm-hmm. just like flanderizes, flanderizes all their characters and is more interested. In what is flanderizing? Flander, the flanderization, or I, I hope I'm saying this correctly, is a term from like TV tropes. It refers to the Simpsons and the character Ned Flanders who starts off as a sincere neighbor character with good intentions and then over the course of the show changing and the characters changing, he becomes a punchline. He becomes just hideley ho, mm-hmm. neighbor Rooney. He's just yeah. a joke. He's just a vessel for verbal jokes and visual jokes as opposed to being a character that has Developed, substance. Yeah. But that's also a tip of an iceberg because I'm one of the weird people that defends later Simpsons because it's one of those shows that like all sitcom, it changes. And so there's eras where it's fucking fantastic, greatest greatest piece of pop culture fucking ever, arguably. Yeah. Like those first 10 seasons of The Simpsons, and then it becomes one of the worst TV shows ever, and then it kind of redeems it's itself. still going. Yeah. And like, <laughs> Has you, it redeemed it? I have not kept up. Has it redeemed itself? I, some, yeah, yes and no. Like I was watching most recently season 31. They're just in the car, and they just start singing Baby Shark, unironically, no punchline, no, oh, like, boy. they just start singing Baby Shark, and I almost vomited. I was like, this is Jesus. horrible. Like, this is making my soul hurt, but also, on the flip side, they- it's like they just hired YouTubers to write it or something. Yeah, but also, there's still, like, really fantastic lines. There's such a great, such a fantastic line that Homer says to Marge when they're talking about moving places, and they're like, wait, maybe you should move to Boston, or, like, move somewhere else. It's one of those episodes where they're thinking about moving somewhere else, and Homer says to her- our problems aren't where we are. Our problems are who we are. And I like paused it because I was like almost in tears. I was just like, yo, like this show <laughs> is like so profound and has the ability to like touch on these real human things, just like with community, but also it pairs it with gags and visuals. And so, yeah, I can go on forever about those TV shows. I'm happy you got into community. I remember I had a dream once about The Simpsons. I have a lot of dreams about TV shows or like (laughs) dreams where I'm watching movies. Um, But I had a dream once where it was an episode of The Simpsons where the world was coming to the to an end. And uh, I I think like the the episode ended like 10 minutes early and because the world ends and like it just ends with like the family sitting on the couch together. And for the remainder of the 10 minutes, it's just black screen. <laughs> and oh, then weird. the show was over. And that was how the, that was how the Simpsons ended. Um, huh, yeah. trippy. Um, have you heard about, <laughs> like, pretty cool. the Dark Simpsons episode or whatever? I remember hearing, yeah, there was some, like, copypasta stuff going around, right? Yeah, Creepypasta? About, yeah, yeah, some, like, weird, like, unseen or, like, forbidden band episode. Homer looks at the camera and starts screaming. Yeah, some weird shit. Yeah, Yeah. it's like some uh, 4chan bullshit. (laughs) Um, Should we we get into WandaVision? Yeah, I thought it was really strange, honestly. I I feel like that episode in particular was the fastest episode of TV that I've ever experienced, where I sat down Mm. to watch it. As soon as I started to have my my one puff of my joint, the episode is over, and I was like, yo, what the (laughs) hell is going on? Like, I really didn't like it. Um, I feel like I, I just hated the way that answers were delivered. Cause yeah, so like I read a little, I read a little bit about this on Twitter, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of read what I wrote. I said I really didn't like that the answers were delivered by new characters and not through revelations experienced by our established protagonists. Our first yeah. three episodes had characters wondering what's wrong, fearful. It feels like we were establishing the foundation for an emotional payoff only to instead rewind, see things from the perspective of new characters, and diffuse the tension that had been imbued. Also, I'm just not a fan of Kat Dennings, so there was no built-in goodwill for me. Yeah. I I, I like her. Um, Yeah, but I think the Marvel fans were definitely gushing over the return of these characters that I've shown up in other movies that I don't really remember, I guess. Um... The uh, the detective Wu is from Ant Man two and Cat yeah. Dan- Dennings is from Thor two and the then, Thor movies and yeah. then uh, Geraldine or the other character that gets lost she's from Monica uh, Rambo or she's in Captain Marvel yeah she's in Captain Marvel and so I, I guess people were really enjoying that it's like a reunion and joining of forces on that side but I hadn't like I wasn't too familiar with any of it and so it didn't feel very satisfying and yeah it's very odd that they have this extremely fourth wall breaking like exposition dump where they're just like oh they're in a tv show and like they're just like it just yeah yeah here's all the answers yeah it sucks all the fun out of it and it's just like why couldn't we have just gotten like a fourth genre episode and saved this for the tail end of this season 
Like, it would have been way more interesting to have, like, Vision trying to figure out what the fuck is going on and having that be an emotional payoff for his investigation. Yeah. Instead, it's just like, yeah, it's just, it's just, okay, here's all, yeah, here's all the stuff, weird stuff that was happening earlier. Turns out it was these people. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's, it's there's no, the curtain. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like the Wizard of Oz, like what's behind the curtain thing. And it's just like, there's all the secrets. It's not fun no more. And it's like, this is, yeah. yeah, just, we don't get, we don't follow anyone's journey to open the curtains. It's just the curtains open. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's not that wasn't a, a good episode, but I still think it's a, a strong show. I think the first three episodes are really good. Um, I I enjoyed the little like jump scare with Vision. I thought that was a, mm -hmm. a nice moment of the episode that is really resonating with people because it's yeah, it kind of ties into the whole body horror thing where it's, yeah, we're used to seeing this person vibrant and colorful and to see him kind of just drained of everything and yeah. like missing like his frontal lobe. It's really intense. And so I, I was kind of like props to Marvel for going there. And I, I am excited for more horror Marvel in the future with the whole Sam Raimi uh, yeah. multiverse thing. But as far as this episode is concerned, yeah, this is a, a weaker episode and you know, I don't know, just, it's kind of odd. And now it's like, now all the answers are out there, pretty much. Like, is, are there any additional questions? I guess, like, we don't know who Catherine Hahn, well, like, who her character is. Yeah, um, and then there's also just the connection to bigger things. But as far as, yeah, that initial setup is, th that mystery is gone. And so, yeah, it's not going to be as fun to be looking for, for clues and stuff, knowing that we have just, like, yeah, this sword unit on the other side of the wall. There's also like a meta mystery, which is um, like on Twitter and stuff. People have been talking about how there's going to be a large cameo and we don't know who that cameo is. So maybe people are looking for clues to that, but that's not that's not storytelling. <laughs> yeah, I can't like I, I'm going to say something contradictory. It's like in my dream world, I would love to be an actor who like, has the ability to have cameos and show in places like that. I think that'd just be the, the funnest way to exist as an actor is be like, oh, I just show up for like one scene. I do yeah. my thing. And, I and everyone loves me. Everyone loves <laughs> it. I think it's the laziest fucking thing to have. Like, oh yeah. Like it's just going to anchor on this cameo and this one episode is going to have a cameo yeah. and it's going to show up and just drag someone in. Cause yeah, you, anyone, anyone can drag in a beloved character. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, have, and have them be the deus ex machina. And then they, they yeah. provide, we're back magic. to talking about Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. And oh, man, like the poster for coming to America, two like the sequel came out this week luke skywalker's on it yeah that'd be so fucking great <laughs> luke skywalker was, in, was he's in coming it. to america <laughs> yeah um, he, he defends uh eddie murphy he's just like his, his bodyguard but um yeah. there's like all these characters on the poster and in my mind i'm like yeah like there's no way all these characters are in all the scenes in this movie this is a cameo movie like these like the character yeah. like wesley snipes is going to show up once like you know like james old jones is going to show up once and then he's going to be gone like just it just doesn't feel like it's going to be is connected is wesley snipes What's his deal? Is he, like, not allowed in the U.S. or something like that? No, I think he is. I think he just, like, had the issue where he was extremely popular in the 90s, had, like, a very high profile, and then did not handle his money right, ha suffered, like, tabloid bullshit, had other problems I don't know about, but, like, kind of just had a, a, a suffer kind of tail end of the weird career. And, yeah, now he's just, like, not quite, like, blacklisted, but just, like, well, we're kind of done with you. We have better versions of you like you know like why call wesley snipes when we can call Marshahala ali who's literally going to be blade in the new blade movie yeah. so it's like hollywood just kind okay. of finds the new spice <laughs> so you say Mahershala ali uh, am i saying it wrong <laughs> well i say Mahershala, and oh, i don't okay. know i don't know which way is right because i've i've been like in, like i've been agonizing over this leading up to this recording <laughs> Yeah, I might just be butchering it to be honest. Because <laughs> I, just, I, like, I, I'm just talking I want I I always want to say Mahershala Ali, Mahershala, but I feel like I've heard someone say Mahershala. Eh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's <laughs> we will never one. know. We're not going to look it up. There's no way. Yeah, and yeah, I 
I would love to be like more acute with it because yeah, one of my favorite comedians, Hassan Minhaj, he like has this whole rant on Ellen about like pronouncing names correctly, and he's like, yeah. no, like, if you can fucking pronounce Timothy Chalamet correctly, you can pronounce Hassan yeah. Minhaj, and and so yeah, like. Mahershala Ali, I'm sorry. I know you're a regular listener to Vague Zone. Mahershala. <laughs> yeah, I know Mahershala Ali and Tony Todd meet up every Thursday to listen to us. And, so and Gal Gadot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, is that a wrap on today? Today's yeah. Vague Zone? Yeah, I think that might have been episode 25. Shall we uh, sign off? All right, so yeah, next week we're going to be finishing up our conversations on The Matrix. We're going to be talking about the Animatrix and a little bit of the game conversation, but yeah, we're gonna rewatch that yeah. and then loop in some game discussion too. Because my buddy Kyle Jackson of Blaze Wave, he's gonna be on this show talking talking with us, and he's a big fan of the Matrix trilogy and he's a big fan of Enter the Matrix when it came out. And yeah, it'd be good to talk to him and kind of close up our Matrix conversation. So I'm excited cool. about that. Closing it up until the Matrix Four. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. And so yeah, that'll be the next one. So, yeah, this has been episode 25. If you would like to contact us, you can email us at vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you would like to tweet at us, at vaguezone, you can tweet us. If you have lists, we would love to get some lists or suggestions. We are always looking to watch more movies. So if you watch something weird, we want to watch it and get weird with you. Mm-hmm. Throw it into the vague zone. All right. So, yeah, that's been episode 25. I'm Thomas. I am Daniel. And, yeah, we'll catch you on the next one. All right. Until next time.